You're listening to a message from Ogden Church, a gospel-centered ministry for all people. We hope during the next few minutes you gain a better understanding of God's love expressed in the person of Jesus Christ. Good morning. All right, it's cold. It is cold outside. It's real cold. Oh, man. Woo! We are glad that you are with us. And we're tough. We live in Michigan. We're tough people. We can handle it. And yeah, so we have come through a series out of the book of Philippians. We looked at every chapter in the book. And now we're going to be starting uh, a two-week series looking at chapter 13 out of the book of 1 Corinthians. Now, this is often referred to as the love chapter, is a chapter that talks about love, which is a beautiful and wonderful thing. You probably have heard this chapter read at weddings. Perhaps it was read at your wedding. This actually is not the context of the chapter. It's not romantic love. It's, it's love is described as, as the way God intends it to be expressed, but within the context of the church. The goal here and what has happened immediately before is to talk about the gifts that God has given to the church and how we can express those gifts and use the gifts that God has given us to bless the people around us. But we must constantly remember that the love of God is our driving force. We need to never forget that his love needs to be through and in all of it. So I don't know if you've ever done an activity where there was an essential part of something that you needed to have in order for that activity to take place. Like if you're roasting marshmallows, you need a fire, right? Like something without a fire, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't work. You know, if you want to go water skiing, you need water, right? Like you, need, you can try those things. But it doesn't work out the same way. I pulled my kids behind uh, uh, my father-in-law's gator that he left, left at our house through the snow on a sled. If you don't have snow, that's a painful and bad activity. So it's essential that you have a certain ingredient that's a part of all of the things that we do. And what we're going to see is that the essential ingredient for us is love. Love is essential. If we don't have it, we miss out. And so there are many good things that we can do. You can do something good, but if it's not motivated by love, it's not worth anything. So the Apostle Paul talks to us about things that lose their power. Without love, we lose the power of the things that we say, the things that we know and believe, and we lose the power of even sacrifice that we would make for God. These three things are the focus of this passage. It doesn't matter what you say, what you know or believe, or even what you sacrifice and give to God if it's not motivated out of a place of love. The first thing that he talks about is even the things that we say, the things that come out of our mouth, they could be glorifying God. They could be saying the right thing. But if it's not motivated from a place of love, then, then we miss it. It doesn't mean anything. It loses its power. And so chapter 13, 
verse 1, right, right before the chapter, he says, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. Then he says this, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. I could speak eloquently. I could say incredible things, even glorifying God. But if love isn't the motivating part of what comes out of me, then it's just noise. I can speak in different languages, even speak in the language of angels, it says here. But without love, it's just sound. This is a a crazy thought because... We all have different gifts that God gives us. When we come to the church and we sacrifice and, and receive forgiveness for our sins through the blood of Christ, He gives gifts that we're supposed to use to build up the church. And sometimes people are crazy gifted. They're really, really good at doing something or communicating to people. And they'll stand up and you'll hear a presentation that people give. And you're just blown away at, at the wisdom and knowledge and the perspective these people have. They can communicate extremely well. But what we all do with our gifts, if we don't constantly surrender them and say, God, this is for you and for other people, it becomes about us. And when it's about us, it becomes extremely extremely dangerous. I worked at a church in Pittsburgh, and before I got there, the pastor had planted the church and spent like a decade just building this church, pouring his life into this church. He was an incredible communicator. He stood up, and he told God's word to people, and he communicated, and he led really powerfully for these people. He grew this church to 2,000 people, and then over time, As he started to think that the church was really about him and his ability and how special he was, he got into a relationship with a woman that was not his wife in the church. It caused a church split and huge destruction because he let his gift become his identity. He started to say, look, this is about me. And you know how corrupting power and influence can be? Once somebody starts to feel like, okay, well, I have some influence here, if they're not constantly surrendering and going back to, this needs to be motivated for love of people and not about me pumping myself up. Because when it becomes about us, our gifts can be destructive. The things that we say, even if they're good things, can be destructive if they're not motivated from love. Let me give you a practical example. You who are parents will understand this. You know that you can discipline your child in two different situations. And one, you can discipline out of anger because you're frustrated, they've pushed you too far, and now it's time to let them know what's up. Who's in charge? That's an, that's an anger motivation. You can say a very similar thing. But from a place of, I love you too much to let you continue to act like this. I have to step in and help guide you towards a better life for you. But when it's about me and my identity, I can say things that maybe sound good or sound right, but I'm crushing my children. 
How can we find ourselves living in such a way that we say things that aren't just good because we're saying good things or saying the right thing, but we're motivated out of love for those around us. We say, look, I care about you. I love you. So I'm going to say this hard thing. Even things we say, even though they might be the right thing, can still be motivated from the wrong place and lead to destruction. And then he goes further. He takes it a step further. In verse 2, he says, If you have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I have nothing. Even if you know everything there is to know, and you have faith that can move mountains. These are very spiritual sounding things. These are things that you would think, look, you have incredible faith and moved a mountain. That's awesome. But if it's about you, you have nothing. I am nothing without love. Faith that can move mountains. Knowing everything there is to know. We can worship knowledge. We can worship like just devouring books and listening to messages and podcasts and taking classes. There are people that have three, four, five advanced degrees just because they're constantly going to learn more. And you can learn and learn and learn, but always let it hit your head and not your heart and miss the point. I went to Adrian College and I had the unique joy of majoring in religion at a school that's supposed to be a religious institution, but many of my professors were atheists. They didn't believe in God, which is a fascinating thing. But anyway, I'm there, and I'm studying the Old Testament under a professor named Dr. Eichley, and this guy knew more about the Bible than I'll ever know. He had written books. He had a Ph.D., or doctorate. I always get confused. This is like my level of intellectual ability. <laughs> One, you have to study in Latin, I think. Anyway. This guy was a pastor of a church, walked completely away from his faith, knew more than I will ever know about the Bible because he let the knowledge hit his head and not change his heart. He never let it sink in the love of Christ, wash over him and become his identity because it just became about acquiring more information and more knowledge because you can know something but not love someone. You maybe know a lot about God. And there are people who say to me, well, I, I've read the Bible back to back. I, you know, I know it better than you. That's, that's possible. Very possible. But you know what? God isn't calling us to just know about him. He's calling us to know him and fall in love with him. I had an interesting situation this Friday night. We were at um, a, a gathering of college students that were studying the Bible together. And, and, and we, my wife and I were there and we were hanging out afterwards. And we sort of separated as groups sometimes do. The guys were in one side of the house. The girls were in the other side. And we were there for a while. And I know that I, I, after some period of time, it is wise for me to go just check on things. How's my wife doing? So I walk down, and the girls are sitting around a table. And my wife says to me, words that should strike fear into the heart of every man, do you notice anything that's different about me? 
This is a setup. There's no way for me to win in this situation. It's not going to go well. I stand there for what felt like an eternity. I do not have an answer. I'm failing this test miserably. And it finally comes out while I had parted my hair different. At the, front, at the beginning of the night, it was parted down the side. And now it's parted down the middle. And you should know that it makes me look younger. That's not how she said it. It was like, I'm throwing creative, you know, I'm making choices. So I find myself in a place where, look, I, I didn't know that fact. I, I didn't know how she had parted her hair at the beginning of the night and, and, and how it was parted then. I, I didn't know. I, I missed it. But when I was sitting up, with the guys, before I went down, I thought to myself, my wife's an introvert, and I'm an extrovert, so I love, I could stay there for hours and not even think about it. I was like, hey, let's just talk. This is awesome. But I know that my wife has a different experience. And so I went down to check on her to say, look, I know what I would prefer, but I love you and have known you long enough that I want to make sure that everything's okay with you. And I'm going to lower what I would prefer to lift you up. Which one of those things is truly loving? Knowing the part in the hair or knowing her heart and what she would desire in a given situation? You see, many of us settle for just knowing details about God when the call is for us to come to Him and be in a love relationship with the Father, the King, the God of the universe. Don't just know about Him. He invites you to know Him. You can miss it. Let's not miss it. Let's together say, God, I want to know you. Because you, you can say all the right stuff. You can even know and believe the right things. But if it's about you, those things are about you, it's nothing. Even if we sacrifice, even if we give of ourselves, verse 3, if I give all I possess to the poor, and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love. I gain nothing. I can give everything I have away. I can sacrifice and receive actual physical pain because of my faith. But if it's for me, if it's about me, that I may boast and do not have love, I gain Nothing, nothing of value comes from that. And I know what's difficult is we are just structurally built to think if I do the right things, I get credit for those things. And so when you hear something like this, you're like, somebody gave all of they have to the poor that has to count for something. It doesn't if it's about you. If you're trying to gain value for yourself, feel good about yourself, it's never going to be enough you're never going to do enough good things you're constantly going to be chasing like what's the next good thing well i accomplished that task and now i feel good for like a week maybe a couple days what's the next thing that i have to do to feel better about myself even the greatest things will never be enough to satisfy your soul there's only one thing that can do that i'm sort of Haunted by this scene in, a, in the movie Schindler's List. I don't know how many of you have seen it. It's uh, mature content, so don't just go watch it with younger kids. It's about the Holocaust. 
And there's an influential guy who's wealthy, and he uses his influence and wealth to buy Jews out of prison camps and save their lives. And Liam Neeson, who plays the main character, is surrounded by 1,100 Jews that he saved their lives. 1,100 people. Five times as many people as are in this room right now. Saved that many people with just his influence and buying them. And he's standing there and he's surrounded by them and they give him a pin and, and he just is broken and he starts to weep and he walks over to his car. He's like, I could have done more. If I sold this car, that's 10 more people. He sees a golden pin on his shirt and he's like, this is two, at least one. It's at least one more person. I could have done more. A lot of us look at that and you think, that's incredible what you did. But it's never enough. It would never be enough. Even the greatest human things in this world are never enough. You're going to always think that, like, I could have done more. I should have done more. Because we can't do enough. We're limited. And your soul is like this bucket that has a hole in it that's constantly draining. And you pour things into it. You try to say the right thing. You try to do the right thing. You try to read another book, and if I just gain enough knowledge, I'll fill up my bucket. But it's draining constantly when we fill it with things of this world. No matter what you do, your bucket is constantly draining and going down. And what God says is, come to me. He says to the woman at the well, whoever drinks this water, they're going to be thirsty again. Whoever drinks the water that I give them will have wells springing up within them. A never-ending source of God's love. It's never going to be enough in this world. Whatever we say, it might sound good. If it's not motivated from love, it doesn't matter. Whatever we know, whatever books you've read, podcasts you've listened to, Degrees that you have, if it's not motivated from love, it doesn't mean anything. And we can give everything that we have, and we have to have love or we gain nothing. So we're left with the question, what, what is this love and, and how do I get more of it? I, I want that, right? Like I, I sort of see what you're saying, these things don't last. I want more of that love. What does it look like? Tell me about it. Verses 4 through 7, this is written. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. And here's verse 7. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. How are you doing with those things? Love is patient. Love is kind. It's the Lord's irony that this week I was preparing for this passage, reading it over and over and over as, as I typically do, and I found myself just for no reason especially grumpy with my family this week. Just like, why are you irritating me right now? Go do what you're supposed to do. It's like, how am I supposed to stand before you, 
with this text, with that brokenness in me. How does that work? It brings us back to the reality that I am not enough. You are not enough. We need a source that's outside of ourselves. And I get impatient with my family when I'm not living in the truth of what Jesus did for me. I become impatient with someone else when I forget about God's patience that he's had for me. Every day. God says, I I still love you, and you don't deserve it. I lose kindness when I'm not living in the kindness of the Father. And we're able to approach anything that takes place in our lives soaked in the love of God to, to say things that honor Him and bring Him glory. To study and know more about Him so that we can fall more deeply in love with Him and give of ourselves to other people because our Heavenly Father gave of Himself to us on the cross. We desperately want this type of love. A love that's going to carry us through whatever we're experiencing. I don't know how many people have seen the movie Titanic. Anybody seen this movie? Yes? It's, it's about a boat that sinks. I don't know <laughs> if you heard about it. Supposed to be an unsinkable ship, right? They go on the boat. These two young kids just fall in love. A young Leo DiCaprio, this guy's killing it. They fall in love. And and then it starts to become clear that the ship is going to sink, but they just don't care. We're together. They love each other, running through it. And then they're out in the ocean, and the door, I think, is probably big enough for both of them, but somehow... She's the only one who's on there, Rose, at the end. And you walk out of the theater, you're like, I want to love like that. And then you get married. And you think, wait a second. Marriage is longer than two and a half hours. And some hard stuff happens in life. Like, I get it. Like, some of you are in love, just maybe just got engaged. You're like, eh, everything's amazing. <laughs> Talk to somebody who's been married 30 years, and you'll find out. Life can be hard. Here's the thing. No person's ever going to satisfy you. No human completes another human. It's not possible. You do not have the ability. We all come up short. You walk out of that movie, and, and you think, oh, well, I'm just going to jump on eHarmony and find the one. It's like, no. There's only one thing that complete you, can complete you, and it's Christ. Amen. I heard a pastor say once, lonely and frustra- frustrated single people become lonely and frustrated married people. Because until we're able to be satisfied in Christ and say, God, I can only get what I need from you, that frees up my wife to be who she is, that frees up my family, my kids to be who God created them to be instead of trying to fill my bucket with them. I can say, God, it's your love that fills me. And no matter what you're going through, his love applies to it. You know, I I know that people go through difficult times. It's hard to talk about love when life is hard. It's a tough thing. But you know what? Our Heavenly Father lost His Son because of love. His Son went to the cross. His Son died. 
and they were separated for you. So that this world wouldn't be the end. So that he could step into the brokenness. Why the brokenness of this world? Why is this world so broken? You're talking about love. We broke it. He didn't make it like this. He made it perfect. Everything was supposed to be perfect. And we're like, we don't need you. He's like, well, let's see how that goes. Didn't work out. But he says, I'm going to come into your brokenness and then I'm going to be broken for you. I know there's pain. But his love, it's enough. And it carries you from the brokenness of this world into the wholeness and perfection of eternity. Do you find yourself longing to fill your identity with other people? Well, if I could just marry this person, then everything would be okay. No. God says, come to me. Drink the water I give you, and you will never thirst again. His love, it's patient and it's kind. And when we find ourselves in him, we can be patient and kind and loving to other people. How are you doing? Letting yourself be filled up by the love of Christ and saying, no matter what happens around me, that neighbor that bothers me, that coworker that always pushes my buttons, how am I able to give grace to that person? It's only out of a place of receiving the grace of God that you can extend it to others. Let yourself be filled and washed in his love and find yourself falling more in love with God. And then the things that we say, the things that we know, and the things that we sacrifice and do for him will have meaning because they're not trying to give us value. Say, God, I know who I am in you, so I give of myself to others. Let's pray, and then we'll close. God, we pray that your love would wash over us, that we would never be people that let truth hit our mind but not change our hearts. And every day, let us do the hard work of falling in love with you again and be changed for the glory of your name, for your eternal kingdom that is the only hope of man. We love you, Lord. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. hope you enjoyed this message. Please join us on Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11 a.m. If you'd like any more information about Ogden Church, just visit our website at ogdenchurch.org or Facebook.